Hey guys, welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. I'm Montel Williams, and my guest today, you know, is the CEO of a large-scale manufacturer of medical cannabis compounds based in Portugal. Yes, I did say that, based in Portugal. His experience as both a developer and a banker in the United States and in Europe provides a unique perspective towards navigating international rules and regulations for developing cannabis medicines. Michael Sassano, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today, sir. Yeah, great, Montella. It's such a pleasure to see you. Absolutely, my pleasure to see you too. You know, I, I think what what you know, I was getting ready to do an open, but I thought I would, I would do it with you so that people would understand. You know, we in America are so self-centered that we think that we are the center of the world, and when it comes to cannabis, we are getting ready to not be the center of the world anymore. Would you not say? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I mean, I came from the U.S. market; it's still the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, when it comes to cannabis, uh, but the global markets is import export and moving it across borders um, from South America to, to Africa to Europe uh, now to Asia. So we're moving it across the globe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I almost would agree with you when you say America's the heavyweight champion, but only with one belt. There are multiple belts out there right now, and there are a couple of other countries that are stepping up to the plate and showing us how to do it. I think, and it's when you, when you kind of back up a little bit and you remember that there was a moment that, you know, I guess, you know, if you wanted to make the center of the world, Amsterdam and Holland for a second and say that back in the day when Amsterdam was one of the only places that allowed for legal consumption on premises and had a pretty robust cannabis pro pro program, even the United States still did, did kind of dwarf it because of just the sheer volume of cannabis, California, and something just like in Kentucky and Tennessee. However, now I have been completely taken aback at how rapidly the rest of the world is growing. I'm involved with a uh, cannabis startup in Colombia. I'm involved with a cannabis startup in South Africa. Um, and I've been excited about the prospects of being able to, you know, import export product around the globe where we're still over here, you know, still arresting people in states where we have medical, legal medical programs. Yeah, I mean, look, you're exactly right. And you're pointing out some of the right places you're in. Um, Colombia has been doing a great job. Um, we're still uh, working on some imports over here to Europe. Uh, Lesotho, I'm on my way over to South Africa, Lesotho. Um, what amazing farms they have down there. Uh, great genetics are being developed. And we're bringing those over to Europe uh, now. And, and a lot of people, when you say when you say great, the the, the uh, genetics are being developed. Great genetics have been there for thousands of years. They're just <laughs> expanding on the great genetics that they've had. Maybe they're actually starting to crossbreed some things that they've come across in other countries that are making some pretty phenomenal product. But those genetics have been there. People don't understand that the African continent has had cannabis on it for thousands of years and has utilized it in different ways for thousands of years. It wasn't, you know, until recently that I think uh, the West started to recognize, hmm, I think they have something down there like this. Look, before we go any further, let's talk a little bit about who you are. Well, you know, talk about yourself a little bit. Where did you grow up at? Where did you go to college? Yeah, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, went to Boston University. Uh, spent uh, my beginning adult life in New York City. 
and then I ended up uh, moving to Europe uh, in my 30s and uh, Monte Carlo. I lived there for uh, the last 20 something years, um, was back and forth in the early 2000s uh, for the uh, uh, cannabis movement there. Um, the, probably my most famous facility uh, was Solaris Farms that merged with the uh, Sanctuary Dispensary out there in, in Las Vegas a few years ago. Um, and multiple projects. What I did is I, I took my background from, um, from banking and re- and then I later became a real estate developer and said, look, the world needs more infrastructure. So that was my space. And is that what you got your degrees in? What's your degree in? Uh, liberal arts degree. Liberal arts degree. Okay. Yeah. And economics you- major. Got you. And you turn that into banking and, uh, real estate development. Yeah, I was a Lehman Brothers trader, one of the best, uh, number one trader for seven years in a row. I ran about $5 billion uh, when I was in my 20s and then took the money and said, let's uh, build some real estate, build on the panhandle, um, you know, uh, oceanfront uh, condominium projects. Wow. And then what got you interested in cannabis? How did you shift over to cannabis? In 2008, the, uh, the, the real estate market uh, tumbled on us. Um, these guys out in California said, look, we're going to convert a warehouse, 5,000 square feet. Um, we don't have uh, uh, any banking. I said, guess what? It's 2008. I don't have any banking. Uh, let's get together and try to figure this out. Um, as time went on, uh, we built different projects for different people, sold a few projects, um, and just kept building new projects in different states. Um, now we're, we're going to do a Mississippi license set. Um, you know, of course, we'd like to apply for the New York uh, licenses when they come around. So we'll, we'll, there's still 12 more states to go that need infrastructure just at the beginning stages. Absolutely. And I mean, let's let's go back to your time in California. I mean, you, you kind of gloss over it quickly, but you had a pretty extensive footprint in California for a while, did you not? Yeah, I mean, you know, let's say Las Vegas became the more extensive uh, footprint. That's where most of the buildings uh, in the modern age were built for me. Um, you know, but yeah, California was a great start. I um, mean, it was, you know, look, 5,000 square feet. You were a monster in cannabis then, um, you know, you know, back in that, that early time. And that was the legal limits within that LA County area. So, right. you know, um, but then Las Vegas presented, you know, as one of the newer recreational states. Um, you know, I moved over to that area, uh, left Europe permanently uh, in 2016 um, to, to stay there permanently and, and kept doing more deals out of Las Vegas. And that was really uh, exciting because there was not just cannabis, it was marketing and cannabis on top of it. A great right. learning lesson. And when you, you when did the opportunities arise that, that said, let me go back to Europe? And why? I mean, 2019, you saw waves of it coming. Um, you know, I wanted to be, you know, my, my second, uh, nationality and passport is Greek. Um, so I wanted to be back in Europe. I went to Greece. I thought that was going to be the next wave. Um, it just turns out that by early 2020, we couldn't get the regulators really weren't, weren't, uh, working it out so well for us. Um, we saw the writing on the wall. It would be a much longer time. Uh, and uh, I went to Portugal, met with some of the regulators here, and and it was just a, a different vibe as far as 
their knowledge base, the corporations here, and their desire to make Portugal, um, you know, the cannabis hub for Europe. And to that effect, uh, 19 of the 35 license sets are here in Portugal. And in Greece, there's only one one operating right now and not fully yet. Yeah, I mean, and we should explain to people, I mean, right now, the EU or Europe, as Germany has, has legalized in some ways medical, Portugal, Great Britain, England, right? Um, I think they have it in, in uh, Scotland uh, or Ireland. Or Sco- Scotland. Um, Ireland has not yet, right? Well, I mean, some of them, Ireland would be a limited, uh, limited use. So multiple sclerosis, epilepsy, truly medical. Uh, whereas like Germany, as you pointed out, um, from the 2017 referendum, um, the doctors can prescribe at will. So it's the fastest growing market with about 200,000 patients. And then they're going recreation, at least the recreational regs will be announced by this year. Um, so the health minister came out a few months ago. Uh, with an about phase, uh, not a politician, the health minister. And he said, look, legalizing, um, in legalizing is, is much better than the alternative of not legalizing. And he looked at it from the health of his, uh, uh, the health of the uh, population standpoint. And the politicians, the new party that came in agreed and, and put a push behind that. That was part of their, their stance. Um, and, and also when you look at Europe, they don't demonize necessarily, especially on this side of the pond, where Portugal, everything is decriminalized. Uh, they look at uh, a drug usage as either a medicine or you may have a drug addiction, which should be treated um, as such, not as an incarceration of it. Right. And it's very interesting because, you know, I guess everybody, you know, the whole world signed on to that UN treaty, 1963 treaty, I think 61, 63 treaty that banned exportation and, and use of hemp products around the world. But then in the last three years, I mean, I think we're 40 something countries plus that have broken out of that treaty now everywhere from what is it? Thailand, you know, South Korea, uh, Colombia, uh, Brazil, um, all over the world. I mean, the world has decided and recognized the fact that before America pushed a ban, this was a efficacious product being used by the masses. You're exactly right. And remember the 2020 UN resolution uh, to declassify uh, cannabis as a medicine. I mean, you know, it would seem obvious, uh, you know, considering even the pharmaceutical level drugs like an Epidiolex or Sativex, or even the studies that have gone on in all countries uh, like the United States, Canada. It's just odd that the United States hasn't even adopted the fact that it's a medicine. Uh, whereas at least the European and many of the other countries, they voted to, to, uh, uh, under the UN to, in December 2020, to acknowledge the medicinal aspects. That's because the United States was never really, this has not been what our reason for banning cannabis was for. You know, the rest of the world doesn't use it as an incarceration tool, the same way that the United States decided that this is a way to actually have a war against people of color and continue to incarcerate people. So they decided to make sure that they ban it, you know, and it, it, I, I, I get completely blown away by some of the rhetoric that comes out of some legislators' mouths, um, even today here in the United States about it being a gateway drug, being an in, 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 they just, anything that they can say to make up a reason to keep putting people in jail, and especially people of color, they're going to keep fighting for. 
Well, I'm telling you, it's a breath of fresh air to be, look, I love the United States. Don't get me wrong, but uh, doing cannabis in Europe uh, has a completely different feel. The regulators are helpful to us. Um, the countries we're exporting are helpful to us. Uh, nobody's putting up additional blockers for us. They're trying to help us along to get these medicines approved. Um, and, you know, these are market authorized medicines, what you'll see in a register and the acceptance of herbal uh, medicine in Europe, India, Asia, um, you know, whereas the FDA looks more from a synthetic point of view, the acceptance is, is, is a lot deeper than anybody really uh, understands. Absolutely. The rest of the world has, has, has accepted herbal medications for thousands and thousands of years. The United States only wants to figure out how they can try to patent something herbal, steal that patent, and then, you know, refuse to allow anybody to do it unless it's, it's some sort of synthetic. And where we know that the synthetic versions don't actually, actually affect the endocannabinoid system the same way as the natural herbal versions do. I mean, it's the reason why we have an endocannabinoid system uh, to actually be able to be antagonized by the chemicals of that plant. Whereas in the United States, they tried to come up with synthetic chemicals. I, I just look back and think about Marinol, one of the most expensive drugs out there, but one of the most useless drugs out there. <laughs> well, you know, that's for sure. I mean, single element, uh, single element derived pharmaceuticals, um, you know, is a limited, is a limited uh, capability for our systems. Um, so, you know, you're, pe you're preaching to the converted over here. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to, to, to <laughs> I'm, I'm making sure that our, our listeners recognize some of the truth. Now you're the CEO of Somai Pharmaceutical. Based right. in well, That's tell us right. about the company. Tell us about the company. Uh, I mean, Somai is the, the largest uh, uh, manufacturing facility for cannabis uh, that's opened uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, uh, we're located here in Portugal. And what may seem like basics that uh, from the U.S. market um, that we're doing over in, in that we're bringing to Europe are things that the United States has been doing for a long time, um, bringing the extracted products. Um, you know, bringing faster absorption, bringing uh, um, product that has more bioavailability, uh, bringing more delivery devices uh, to the market. Um, so, you know, these are things that we've seen hundreds of product cycles in the U.S. market. Uh, but over here, they haven't seen any products, um, you know, except for basic oils made with distillates and MCT oil. And nobody has, has, has brought them faster acting excipients and the things that the United States leads. And this is important for the patients and the users over here. Nobody wants to wait one hour for the onset to come on. Um, you know, if you're in pain or whatever you're using for, you need it quicker. And the European market wants the same thing. So uh, Somai is there to fit, fill that fill that area um, and make these products uh, for the market. And and now you get to actually ship across borders too, correct? This is exactly right. We get and to import, import across borders. Yeah, we'll we'll import the biomass from anywhere from Uruguay to Colombia to South Africa, as you point out. Uh, we'll process that biomass under EU GMP regulations, which is a pharmaceutical grade uh, product, uh, and we can ship that to Germany, uh, Italy, UK. Um, you know, to up, up, you know, Austria, um, Brazil, 
Australia, Israel. So um, there's quite, and, and, you know, other markets exist, but they're just a little bit smaller, up and comers like Poland. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you want to know how to become a social media influencer, how to grow an online business, how to make money from your laptop and build a profitable online company? Well, I'm going to show you how in my podcast, Living the Red Life. I built a million-dollar company at the age of 25, a $10 million company at the age of 30, and now I'm the A-list celebrity marketer that speaks around the world on how to transform businesses and make them profitable using Facebook ads, marketing, social media. My name is Rudy Moore, and I'm super pumped to bring you my podcast, Living the Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step-by-step every single week. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the major differences that you see between the United States and, and also, let's say, Portugal, right? It, it's so much different when you're building a facility to address a state's market and you're looking at your competitors in that market and you realize, OK, well, you know, you can't go too big or, you, you know, it's not going to work out for you in a smaller market. But then when you're building something over here, not only do you have to build it for today, but you have to build it to expand um, because Getting these products regulated and certified and transported to other countries is really quite some time and money effort. Um, so you have to build your facility in order to expand and address a growing market globally, not just locally. So, and and it just in general, is it accepted or do people, do you think like if you look at the, even look at the stigma today, we have 38 states in the District of Columbia right now. We've got probably five more states that are going to have a ballot, um, some sort of a ballot initiative this year uh, to maybe put in place either medical or rec. Um, you know, the people in America have spoken. You know, we've got polls are as high as like 92 percent believe that cannabis should be a regulated medical drug and over 65% now believe that cannabis should be available for recreational use. Um, that seems like it's accepted, but at the same time, our legislatures and our you know municipalities don't accept it the same way. Is, is, is it being accepted in Europe now? I mean, you're seeing similarly high numbers um, at minimum 70% acceptance rates. Um, and, you know, like in France, uh, the UK is even higher um, Germany's clearly higher now. Um, you know, on top of that, uh, you're having health ministers, not politicians, uh, driving this. These are the people responsible uh, for, for, you know, making national regulations. Um, and to some extent, their words are a lot more powerful. Um, they're also looking at it from just not just standpoints of accessibility. They're looking from a standpoint of, of bringing more reliable product. Um, you know, to their population, which they know is getting it uh, from from other sources that are not regulated. And that can open people up to pesticides, things like that. And they're conscious of that. And on the even farther end, they've already made a conscious decision that there's a social aspect to this, uh, to this, to the cannabis. So they see the success of um, uh, coffee shops in, in, Bar- uh, in uh, the Netherlands, uh, Malta, uh, did social clubs. Luxembourg may do social clubs. Switzerland's doing a pilot of 10 social clubs in Zurich. Um, you have gray social clubs, let's call it, uh, in Barcelona, 500 of them. 
So they understand there's also a social aspect uh, to, to all of this, as well as the medicinal aspects. Yeah, well, the social aspect, I think they believe and they've seen very clearly is that, you know, um, what we're seeing around the world in total is that alcohol use is going down. Um, we have been seeing that here in the United States. And violence associated with alcohol is not there when it comes to cannabis. We don't see the same, you know, uh, there's been several studies that have been done that have proven that people, and not that I, I in any way, shape, or form support driving under the influence, but there are people out there who will tell you unequivocally, especially through some studies, that they've seen that, you know, people who drive under cannabis actually drive safer than those who don't. Uh, part of may I think maybe the reason maybe that that hyper consciousness or something of trying to make sure that you don't do anything wrong, but uh, so it doesn't have the same effect that way. And I think societies in Europe are starting to recognize the social benefits of cannabis, let's say, over alcohol. I, I, I think there's no doubt to that, and and they are addressing that that exact same issue is is the reduction of dependencies not only on alcohol, uh, but you know other things, opioids or whatever it may be. Um, and to try and, and that the safer alternative is happens to be cannabis. And they see it very clearly, these regulators um, and these health ministers and the politicians are. I, I think what you're going to see is more of a brush fire um, occurrence when Germany finally lays down its regulations. And you just had Spain turn the corner, too, and say they'll have their regulations out by the end of this year. So what you're seeing is the larger countries leading um, that effect. Um, and, and the rest of the countries, they're going to say, look, why aren't, why don't we have a proper policy? And they're saying it right now. Right. And, you know, I, I, I would think that again, with this growth in the European market, you know, the U S would try its best to catch up and be a supplier allowing for more exportation of distillate and, uh, some of the product that we have here, uh, to Europe, uh, but, but those things aren't happening yet. And you know, so I think that, you know, we're seeing India come online. You're seeing China come online, especially when it comes to hemp. You know, Chinese are trying to um, grow. I understand, you know, they, they want to they try to see if they can help corner the market when it comes to hemp products. Um, it will be, that's going to be incredibly competitive against the United States once we finally understand how stupid we've been to open up our doors to allow us to participate in this global market. Yeah, and one thing that we also have to realize from the U.S. perspective, um, you know, trying to get their product outside of the U.S. Well, first of all, the U.S. has always been a closed bubble pharmaceutical market, um, you know, even for normal pharmaceuticals. Right. But one of the bigger issues is, is the quality standards, um, you know, because they don't have any federal regulation or they don't have any what we would call EU GMP status uh, for these products, uh, they're going to have a tough time moving it because there's no qualitative standard. So there would also have to be an infrastructure upgrade, similar to in hemp, uh, when the hemp growers started, uh, did their legalization, they had to go to a GMP novel foods um, uh, global standard. Um, so too, cannabis has to conform to some kind of a standard uh, beyond a state-run OSHA style standard. So that's going to be one of their future, um, let's say hurdles they're going to have to address. Whereas the U the Europe infrastructure, the infrastructure you see in, in Colombia, South Africa, these are all on the pharmaceutical GMP standard levels. So the transfer of product and API or, or of cannabis 
uh, becomes facilitated through regulation that exists already without having to make new regulation. Got it. Got it. And that's the reason. Where where are some of the where do you get some of your best product from on the international market? I mean, what countries do you think supply some of the best biomass and why? Well, for sure, Portugal is is up and coming with 19 of the EU licenses. South Africa, uh, I've been extremely happy with what they've been showing me. And not just happy from a standpoint of pricing, a standpoint of quality and a standpoint of, of development. Uh, there's 70 license sets down there in South Africa right now. I'm on my way there in October uh, to go visit uh, the growers and do my uh, due diligence and tours down there. Um, but I've been very happy uh, uh, with uh, how professional uh, they've turned out to be and, and how aggressive, too, to penetrate these markets. And you get biomass from them. Are you getting just biomass or do you also get distillate, already pre-processed product? Strangely enough, we were just talking to a group today about, uh, you know, maybe you could make the distillate better uh, than we can for uh, the CBD that we need, um, because obviously it's more expensive here in, EU, in the mainland. And what would be better for us is to formulate uh, with our THC and, and your CBD. So, you know, there's definitely that kind of cross-border um, collaboration going on. And I think that's the point of a global market is to be able to address that. Yeah, I, I literally, you know, back here, I've been involved in this cannabis space now for 20 years and I've been formulating myself for 20 years. And long before it was Vogue, uh, long before anybody was ever talking about CBD, I'm telling you back as early as 2034, I was seeking out CBD laden plants here in the United States uh, in the in the Humboldt County area. As a matter of fact, there were some growers up there who were giving it away because they were like, people don't want CBD. Well, I was taking it and utilizing it back then. I started utilizing cannabis because of my MS. But I've been formulating uh, products. At, I'm, I was one of the first to actually put true CBD and THC together in the same vape cart along with proprietary terpenes. I've been doing this for 10 years. And you know, it's like the marketplace is finally coming. I know one of the things that you've been focusing on is some of the other minor cannabinoids because they are now starting to come into vogue. I've been talking about CBG for nine years. Been talking about you know CBN, CBC, uh, CBDA, and uh, finally, you know, I think the, the, it's starting to catch up. But I think Europe is going to lead the way with this because here in the states, um, you know, it's it's hard to get people to understand why. Yeah, and, and, you know, they're, they're definitely open to trying to understand it. And one thing that we have to do over here is we have to actually prove it out. So one thing is we've extracted and we've isolated CBN, CBC, CBG. It's one thing for us to extract it. Then we have to prove to the regulators why it's safe and what it's used for. And, you know, even to some degree, like we're making a, uh, uh, we're making a clinical trial uh, for arthritis. Um, and, you know, it would seem like, you know, okay, we know from the United States, we know from the dispensaries and the patients uh, that there's uh, many uses, um, you know, many different formulations that work for many different people in many different ways. But it's a completely other thing from a clinical standard for us to have to prove that and explain that to, you know, our peers or our regulators or um, other countries why this actually works uh, through uh, studies. So, you know, on one side, we're, you know, we're a little ways off from getting to where we need to be 
uh, with the advancement that we've seen in the United States. On the other end, what we will prove out will be a little bit farther than the, the, where the United States went. Absolutely. I think so, especially the fact that you are not reticent to conduct a trial. I mean, here in the States, you got to fight tooth and nail to get a trial done um, just to be a, a regulated trial because there's some bonehead who just doesn't believe in cannabis to begin with. Um, the, the regulators here, just so you know, they gave us money in a PT 2020 grant for our facility to be innovative. And they even give us uh, up to 70% back on what we spend on R&D. That's the kind of support we're getting in Portugal. Wow. Can you imagine? That's a little mind-blowing, right? That's, that is mind-blowing. Uh, you know, <laughs> and where, again, I want to ask you, where do you think some of your best biomass comes from, though? Like I said, you know, you know, for sure right now, it's Portugal, um, you know, because it's in our backyard. And we're just starting to work with South Africa and get the paperwork right to bring them there. Um, we're also looking forward to uh, Colombia. You've mentioned already. Um, we are looking at Uruguay. They, they've been pretty, um, uh, let's say, uh, influential in, in moving those roads um, a little more so than Colombia right now. But the Uruguayan governments uh, really made the export and import just a little bit easier um, for us. Uh, we're hopeful for Thailand coming online. Strangely, Thailand clicked their fingers in the legalization and suddenly there was product a month later. I'm not sure where it all came from, but right. it's there. And they were touting some really amazing uh, numbers and COAs uh, when they talked to us, but they're currently still in stability from the medical program since it's so new. Um, but I, I need to make a trip out of it, out there and see it. Um, not really much is coming from up, uh, we, we are still getting product from Canada. Um, that's starting to chip away because uh, there's other countries coming on with product uh, where it did as a few years ago, that didn't exist. Right. Um, Germany's quite small. Denmark's, um, Denmark's, you know, it's a little expensive to come uh, from product up north where they don't have so much sun or natural indigenous um, nature for cannabis. Um, so it's kind of like Canada uh, making their products um, Denmark's in a similar path where they're spending a lot of electricity to get to where they need to be, and there's no natural plants. So um, I think the zones where cannabis used to be uh, for, as you say, thousands of years are the ones where we're most hopeful. So, and where are your products? Once you finish your products, where are they being shipped? Now you're doing uh, what you're doing: uh, uh, edibles, vaporables, smokables. Is that yeah. right? The, the first cat, the, the, remember right now we're on the medical and the pharmaceutical kind of look. Um, and then the recreational is starting to come into play. So the first products are drops and, and this may not sound much to the United States, but it's completely mind blowing for the European market. Um, drop sprays, transdermals, sublingual tabs and soft gel caps for our, that's more than this market ever dreamed to have, uh, you know, in these years. Um, since extractable products were zero a year and a half ago in right. sale. Right. So now, where are you? Where are you starting? To, are you starting to export yourself? Where are you exporting to? Where are some of the places you're exporting to? Yeah, for sure, Germany's a target. Um, the thing with Germany is you can't sell finished products, so they have what's called the compounding, where the pharmacist mixes. Um, what you provide to them. 
Um, but more, let's say more interesting markets for us, um, for sure is the UK, uh, where they're more accepting of different products, including even vaporizer oil. Um, uh, you also have a uh, Poland, which is a big up and comer, Chesnia, which is a hundred percent capsules and soft gel caps. Um, Israel's an up and comer, which is a quite large market. Europe just surpassed them in sales, um, but it's one of the older markets. Australia, for sure, um, has the most uh, acceptance of whatever products we put out. Um, and then we're hoping as recreational kicks in, uh, we'll get more into the uh, edibles and the and the um, uh, more vaporizer acceptance and things along that nature. And still flower is king uh, over in this market. Gotcha. Gotcha. But now I'm, I'm sure people are no longer mixing that flower with tobacco. <laughs> it's so strange. I Somebody gave me one and I, I almost coughed up a lung. I, I, remember, I can remember the days uh, going to Amsterdam and, and uh, I used to go to Amsterdam three, four times a year. And I, I remember going into a couple of different coffee shops and the guy would say, oh, do you want me to go ahead and roll one for you? And the first time the guy rolled, rolled a, a, a joint for me, I was, I was like, what is that? He said, it's tobacco. I said, why are you putting tobacco in there? He goes, well, you don't? I said, no, I don't. Redo it. Really, get it out, please. I don't care how thin it is. Get rid of it. And the guy got rid of the tobacco and looked at me like I was crazy. And I was the only person sitting in the entire coffee shop smoking all that tobacco in it. Yeah, and it just does. If you're not a, a tobacco smoker, uh, the feeling is quite nauseous. Oh, my goodness. It's, it is it is nauseous. That, that's, that's kind of a good understatement. Yeah, you're right. Um, so now, what do you believe the U.S. is going to have to do to remain competitive in this world as the world comes online? Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, that market is such a behemoth at $30 billion. Um, maybe they don't have to uh, go anywhere but within themselves. And there's so much more to build. Uh, keep in mind, there's 30,000 license sets um, in, in, in the United States, let's say, and there's still not enough uh, to support that market. Um, so, you know, maybe they would look at Europe as a curiosity um, at best, we have 35 license sets. We're doing 300 million in, in sales in Europe proper, uh, maybe globally 1 billion in sales. It, it's so tiny to the U.S. market uh, that maybe, uh, you know, it, it'll take a few years and then they're going to wake up and say, wow, we need to be over in that side. You know, we need to get our genetics there. We need to get our products over there. Um, and, you know, like companies like Cureleaf have made that bet, right? Um, you know, they're there. Uh, Cresco bought Columbia Care. So they place themselves uh, into the European market. Um, but for the predominant, for the most part, uh, it's just been a few uh, Canadians um, and they haven't done extremely well. Um, Aurora, of course, is one of the big ones. Tilray, of course, the largest. Um, you know, so, you know, the Canadians still want to get out of Canada and come over here. But the U.S. don't have that much of a reason to leave the U.S. just yet, right? So, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. We, we had 25 billion in sales in 2021 yeah. in the legal market, and probably 70 billion in sales in the black and gray market. That's pretty big. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty big. big. Absolutely, but I think you know, uh, I, I still believe that when we keep an eye on what's going on in India, places like that, especially when you have places that are going to be trying to get into the thousand acre 
grows, the two, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100,000 acre grows. The company I'm working with in South Africa, which is Afrohelios, supposedly has right now um, close to a million hectares under contract. Yeah, I'm going to go visit them. That's one of the names on my list, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm working with them here uh, uh, with the CEO and I'm, I'm on their advisory board. So um, please come and see us. And I'd, I'd love to help work with you guys. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to love it. I'm excited to go down. Um, but, you know, you're absolutely right. There's sleepers like India, one point, what, four billion people? One point four billion people. And it's always been something that's been socially acceptable or recognized acceptable. You know, though you haven't been able to sell in India, you know, cannabis grows on the side of the road. That's and right. It's clear. Ayurvedic medicine believes in the power of the herb. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they believe this for thousands of years. And so the second it starts turning into a product that is being, you know, marketed the right way. I think India could be probably one of the biggest markets on the planet. You don't know how many call, how many write-ins we get on the website from, uh, from um, India. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm more surprised because something's going on there, but the regulators aren't really there, but it is extremely accepted already. Well, but one of the things that's had that because India has that, you know, they're broken in those regions, which are almost like states that have their own autonomy. So it's going to take one of those regions to actually change the the footprint. And then all of a sudden, I think the rest are going to take off and go with it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, one one doctor reached out to me on LinkedIn and he said, look, uh, I'm doing this uh, foot therapy where, uh, you know, I use the cannabis plant. And this is the, you know, this is something that affects 400,000 people a year here in India. He said, can you help me? I said, yeah, 400,000 people is, is, you know, is probably the small number. He said, oh, no, that's just my clinic. <laughs> right, right. His clinic. And, and that clinic is in, a, is in a state that's got probably, you know, 400 million or, or 200 million. Monsters, monster number just in my mind when he said that. I was, you know, okay. Well, let's 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 try to figure this out. Absolutely. Now, tell me a little bit. What do you? What, I mean, what do you see is going to happen worldwide? Let's say in the next five years. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, you can pretty much be sure Europe will be uh, mostly all legalized, except for maybe some Western uh, European countries that are still kind of in the dark ages. Um, you know, but uh, you'll see all the main countries uh, here uh, uh, legalized. Um, I think I think you'll see. I'm hoping you'll see Japan come online and a little more of the Asian countries um, from the THC perspective uh, come online. I think already all of South Africa, uh, South America is there. I think you know sweeping Africa is only a matter of choice um, for for the uh, for the leaders of those countries um, because they, the North and the South has already pretty much accepted uh, where it's going. Um, and, you know, you're going to have a bunch of holdout countries that, frankly, maybe nobody visits anyways, but it's sad for their people that they won't get any. Absolutely. And, and then, you know, they're going to be left behind economically. And uh, I think you'll start to see some of that change. Any countries in particular you'd like to see go legal? I, I'm, de I, I'm, I, I'm hoping on Japan. I've been talking for a while. Uh, I just find it so surprising uh, that a developed country like that with the liberties uh, uh, that they have um, and, they, and, and the nice attitude that they all have with an herbal medicine 
decades, centuries of herbal medicine things. I just find that mind boggling that they have not embraced it. Even up until I think a few decades ago, mu uh, mushrooms were sold inside pharmacies in, right. in, in there. And now to, to say that they have not uh, legalized cannabis. Look, I look at them as one of the leaders of that region. They should be there. Yeah, I also that you know, as as crazy as it's going to sound, we know that cannabis was written about in the I Ching some thirty two hundred years ago. So I'm surprised that China hasn't done something. Even if it's the state run thing, I know they've been working on getting trying to get into the hemp space, but I mean from the THC space, you know, the panacea of the masses kind of a thing. I mean, you know, they're going to start running into some issues. They're running into them right now. They have an extremely um, aged population. And we know that, and this is what a lot of the world seems to talk to, is already recognizing, is that cannabis is an extremely powerful geriatric drug uh, worldwide. I mean, it could, could limit some of the, the Western synthesized medication use just by utilizing cannabis instead. So I'm just surprised that China, that's the one I'm kind of thinking about. I think at some point in time, you're going to see China go legal, at least from a medicinal standpoint, that'll be the biggest market in the world. Yeah, I mean, look, they're always doing something on the down low. Um, like, okay, they would service us with all of our vape cartridges and everything for marijuana. But, you know, prima facie case, we're not into THC. When you look at CBD, if you Google China and hemp fields, you will find that they have millions of acres. Of Million. Yes. And, yeah. and they have like $20, $100 million thar extractors out there in these fields. Well, you know, it's a little bit surprising that possibly they could be the world's largest producer and somehow they're not bringing it to their aging population. Yeah, that's it. That's that's really strange to me, but you know, and and I, I don't I don't quite get it. I um, it, I think part of it may just be, you know, social animosity kind of a thing where they don't want to do it just because the United States is doing it. However, you know, I think this current regime ain't gonna live forever. So when this current regime is out of office, I think the people are going to start demanding it because, you know, the price of the pharmaceuticals for the same thing is astronomical in comparison. Yeah. And I mean, look, I mean, that population's for sure in some sort of anxiety moments a lot, you know, there's, there's a lot of stress to perform in inside of that country. Um, and, you know, I think there's beyond, you know, the major uh, illnesses that can be helped, um, you know, just simple things like anxiety and stress uh, for that population—it's a no-brainer. Sure, sleep. Yeah, sleep. Yeah, just give us the basics. You know, that's good. Well, Mike, I got to tell you, so I'm really, really, really having a great time talking to you, my friend. If somebody wanted to find out more information about you, your company, where would they go? Yeah, definitely come to uh, www.somypharma.com. Uh, .eu, sorry, and uh, and reach out to us. Um, our new website, I think, just went live today, strangely enough. So, you know, uh, uh, reach out and say hello. Absolutely. Anything else you want to share? No, I, I you know, it's such a pleasure uh, uh, being on your show, Montel. I've actually met you uh, at, at, at some cannabis events before. I know you may not remember me, but you're one of those guys that are memorable. And thanks for all your support in this industry. 
uh, it's definitely a, a breath of fresh air for a long time. Well, thank you so much, sir. Look, if there's anything I can do, anything you, I can uh, share with you, I'd love to uh, could keep chopping it up. I've got a lot of different uh, delivery systems, I think, that are proprietary that we are, are distributing. I just started distributing um, my own brand again in uh, Massachusetts. It's a THC brand. I'm about to go national with a new CBD brand. So I'd love to talk to you about it and see if there's any anything synergistic we can do because I got a lot of, you know, still have a lot of uh, fans in the EU. Let's get you to the EU, Montel. It's the ne it's the next frontier. I would love to, my friend. I really would love to. So we'll stay in touch, okay? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And one more time on that website, if people want to get a hold of you, you don't have to say WW, but what did you say? SoMyPharma.eu. SoMyPharma.eu. Make sure you do that. Go check them out. It's an unbelievable company and, and setting the standard worldwide. So, Michael, I got to say thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And thank you for tuning in to Let's Be Blunt. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.